Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This is Jeff Fedoten with Believe in Chiefs on the Believe Podcast Network, Kansas City's number one sports podcast network. The only place with a show for every team in KC and more. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? On this week's show, former Chiefs offensive lineman Joe Valerio and I discuss the Chiefs' victory against the Chargers on Monday Night Football in Mexico and dig into the state of the team as they're in the midst of their bye week. Joe, I was in Mexico for this game, and man, what an experience. And, you know, as soon as the game ended, it's this massive stadium, uh, really huge, so big that, like, for the coaching staff, they took golf carts off the field into the locker room so Andy Reid and the rest of the coaches are on the golf carts going to the locker room. Andy Reid gets off, pumps both his fists, and yells, Viva La Mexico! And <laughs> jogs or as much as he jogs into the uh, stadium. But So he loved it. And, man, Joe, the atmosphere was so cool. It's, uh, I mean, it was even louder than Arrowhead. Wow. And, uh, yeah, it was really something. Wow. And, in fact, I was trying to um, – Vogue Gorian, the star sports columnist, he played at some school, Penn or something? Yeah, some small little uh, school in Philadelphia, you know, the Quakers, the the unknown mascot. The unknown (laughs) mascot, peaceful mascot. Anyhow, he was saying, he compared it to uh, covering an Olympic event. The atmosphere, the energy was that strong. Well, that's amazing. Well, Jeff, number one, it's great to be back with you again. And uh, I couldn't wait to hear how exciting it must have been to be in Mexico, you know, to experience uh, an international event like that. A great game, right? Two two, two very recognizable teams that have great history. So, yeah, I'm very excited to hear about your experience. And I'm sure sure all the Chiefs fans are excited to hear about it because it's it's like a a once-in-a-lifetime event, right, to get to go to an international regular season game. I encourage any Chiefs fans out there actually to go to an international game, whether I'm sure they're going to be back in London, there's four games mm-hmm. uh, a year now, or whether the backs in Mexico, it is, it is really an event. And uh, you know, I also learned that in Mexico it's next to soccer is the most popular sport there. And you could see it, but throughout the oh, yeah. weekend, there were people in different jerseys. It's the largest fan base outside the U S. So um, a really great atmosphere. The other thing that was interesting is just the altitude was, was really something, you know, it's higher than mile high. Um, and I, I could feel it just walking around the, the concourse. You Did know? you feel it? Could you, could you feel it? I mean, I bet you could. It's, Absolutely. It's, I was getting know. lightheaded and stuff. And, um, you know, it's, it's over 7,000 feet elevation. You know, that's much higher than, uh, than Denver, um, and I was talking to Morris Claiborne after the game, and he's like, man, he, he said he was like choking up it. I mean, the, the, the wow. players really felt it. Yeah. Well, we had talked about that, you know, in our last podcast about what teams do to get ready for it, right? We know the Chargers, they were training at the Air Force Academy. Mm-hmm. They're trying to get acclimated. And we talked about what the Chiefs had done in the past, right? When we had played it at Mile High when, back in the 90s, at least when I was there, and how we kind of did – the reverse of that. We said, well, let's not get acclimated. Let's, you know, some research out there had said that the more time you spend 
but actually not the more time. Well, the more time you spend, you do get acclimated. Mm-hmm. But if, if you're going to go for that medium term, that's probably not as good as just showing up, playing the game and leaving. And, and I think that was what was always on Marty's mind when we were doing it in the nineties, playing it at mile high was just get in, play the game and get out. Don't even let your body get used to it. And I'm obviously, that's obviously what the chiefs did this time too, but it's, it's unbelievable that you could feel it. And, and I'm sure you could, you know, it's, it's, it's high it's, very low, uh, you know, very low oxygen levels. And it can be, it can be devastating for, especially the guys that are running around a lot. Totally. Yeah. They, that they definitely seem to have felt it. Everyone I talked to, you know, uh, Joe, I really thought the chiefs had this game when like the first drive, the chargers went down just with ease and scored. And then the, the second drive, they, they missed uh, a field goal. And then shortly thereafter, the chiefs scored and scored. And at that point I thought that the, Chiefs have, I'm like, wow, the Chargers have dominated the game and they have three points to show for it. Well, wow. that, you know, I, I couldn't, I couldn't believe that the Chargers couldn't convert. I mean, that, that was pretty amazing. And, right. and one of the things we talked about in, in our last podcast, we talked about that the chief, the Chargers at, you know, going into that game were second in the NFL in the average time of possession, right? So every time they possessed the ball on a drive, they were about three minutes and 12 seconds per drive. Mm-hmm. And when you look at those numbers um, and where they were in the, um, in that game, uh, I pulled up some, some of the drive stats. And, and when you think about um, the way that they were uh, holding on to the ball in the first half and how, even though it was 10 to nine, and even though they were losing um, at the end of the half, they, they really did kind of control the half. I mean, they, if they could have just put the ball in the end zone one or two of those times instead of missing a field goal or kicking, you know, the field goals that they kicked, it could have been a very, very different half. The, the Chargers in that first half, uh, five minutes and 29 seconds first drive, right? You saw how mm-hmm. they were just, they were dominant, yeah. right? They were, they were doing all the right things. They were totally. throwing short passes, um, you know, uh, Rivers was getting the ball out quickly. He was getting it out accurately. They were, they were, you know, peppering in just the right amount of running plays um, with, with their passing plays. Five minutes, 29 seconds, first drive, three minutes. Then they punt. Then they had the ball for three minutes and 41 seconds through that pick, right? Uh, two minutes, 43, 344. And then, of course, time runs out on them in the half, and it's 143. Wow. Like, they were controlling the ball. And we talked about that. Right. We had to get them off the field. And luckily for us, you know, they made a lot of mistakes. You know, Philip Rivers, you know, they got after him a little bit. And, and, and we, we, we kind of we pulled out of that. I think we were pretty lucky to come out of the half. Not only just – not well, we were winning, not losing. We were actually lucky to not be losing, I think, at that point. I also like mentioning uh, Philip Rivers and a couple of his mistakes really cost him in what was a very close game. Uh, he's very popular in Mexico. They call him Felipe Rios. I really got to kick <laughs> out of that. They got tra- to translate it, right? They got to make it, make it, make it uh, put it in their language, which is, which is great. And that's exciting, right? That's exciting for the fans to be able to do that and have somebody to identify with. I thought you nailed that point, though, Joe, that, I mean, the Chargers really did exactly what they wanted in that first half, uh, you know, it's not only their game plan when they win, but that's kind of how if the Chiefs have a downfall, the teams that have beaten them or been successful, the Colts, the Texans who uh, run the ball well, they uh, manage at the time of possession so that Mahomes is on the on the sideline. And the, you're right, they just couldn't capitalize the charges, too many mistakes. And, and credit to the Chiefs for coming up with some uh, big plays defensively. I kept saying yeah. how they were bending but not breaking. Yeah, 
Yeah, they were they they you know they got after Philip Rivers. I mean, the the four picks, uh, you know, was most of it was due to pressure. You know, Matthew got that 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 really nice pick because he's just a veteran player and he he read it the entire way. He just kind of looked at Philip Rivers' eyes the whole time. And um, you know, I, I think I think they just um, you know I think they just got after him. I think they just pressured him. You know, the the the, the way that they were um, coming off the edge. You know, with that inexperienced, uh, injured San Diego, or I almost said San Diego, right? L.A. Chargers. It's hard not to. It is very hard for me not to. Because I I keep hearing San Diego Superchargers. (laughs) That was like the song that used to play. And it was like in my dreams. I used to hear that because we play it, you know, the old... Jack Murphy Stadium, and and they would play that song every break. So sorry, sorry for any of you Charger fans out there. You know, bad. You know, opening up a wound of the whole San Diego deal. <laughs> it's understandable, and you know, actually, their previous game before playing the Chiefs, they were on Thursday Night Football, and Joe Buck did that repeatedly. So yeah, uh, yeah I'm sure he did. <laughs> it's, uh, we, maybe we can start like a drinking game every time. You know, one of us says San Diego is the Chargers. You take a shot. So, it's hard uh, not to. It's kind of ingrained. <laughs> any any AFC West fan is is going to you know always bring back the San Diego days for, for sure. sure. You know, another storyline, Joe, is this is the first time the Chiefs pretty much had their complete st- uh, offensive line yeah. back. Eric Fisher had missed a lot of time. Uh, so, yeah, so did yeah. Renee Tardif. And any any takeaways from, you know, obviously, you know, offensive line play but sure. and how they did? Well, you know, it's, it was fun to watch them all be out there together again. You know, it's been a long time since that group has played together. And offensive line is one of those positions. And I think football fans know that the more cohesive an offensive line is, the better the team plays, right? It's, it's, it's probably the only position on the field short of the – between quarterbacks and the receivers uh, when it comes to timing, right? There's a lot of things that quarterbacks and receivers have to do from a timing perspective, mm-hmm. you know, especially with the athletes that they have in, in the secondary these days as fast and as athletic as they are. So you, you take that sort of you know, wide receiver quarterback thing and then you go to the offensive line thing that the chemistry that that group has to have. It's, it's the most important unit if you watch the game because defense, you know, they're going forward. They've got their areas. They've got their their assignments. They know where they individually mm-hmm. need to go. Um, but offensive linemen, there's so many double teams. Like what I mm-hmm. want fans to watch when you watch the offensive line. I want you to watch how players uh, work double teams and then get to the next level. Right. So a guard and a center working together on the nose guard or the or the player that's defensive tackle that's lined up over the guard and how they block that guy together. And then they move the position, you know, they move the positioning up to the next level, to the linebacker level. You have to watch that cohesiveness. And when players aren't playing together, it's, it's a struggle mm-hmm. because it's timing, it's body positioning, it's knowing your, the guy next to you and, and how your hips are going to come together and where his feet are going to be. Uh, and, and that means a lot. So when you have that rotation going through and, you know, someone you know, centers out and you're moving the left guard to center and the right tackles going to left tackle and everybody's out of, out of sync. It really, really does affect the way that they can work together because in the NFL these days, as big and as athletic as all these defensive tackles are, you know, you're talking about, you know, these are men, like these are six foot four, 335 pound men, 
And, and so you have to block them with two people. You can't, you can't single up. Like everybody thinks offensive line, you just, everybody blocks the guy in front of them and they just, you know, they take the person, whether it's a linebacker or an op, a defensive tackle, they just, you know, they just attack the man in front of them. They can't do that. It's all double teams, move that player, move him to the next level, go up to the linebacker. And with all the zone blocking that they do, you hear that all the time, inside mm. zone, outside zone, you have to double team. And when you're not playing together, it can be a real struggle. So again, to answer your question, that was a long-winded answer to, to a pretty short question. You know, I think they still have a, a ways to go um, as mm. it relates to, to the okay. timing. You know, um, Austin Ryder came out for a little bit. That threw things off in right. the first half. He, he was out for a little bit, and then he came back in. Uh, you know, I think as they continue to play, right, we got out this win. We go the bye week. Now they're going to have some practice time together. You know, they're going to be able to get on and rep out on the field together and go through drills together with everybody healthy and hopefully getting back to full practice schedule, uh, working as a unit. You know, hopefully against the Raiders, we'll see that timing come back. I, I, it's funny, I pulled up some interesting – there's an interesting website called Football Outsiders. and Oh, it's they, a great site, yeah. They actually, right, for those fans, they actually now – Using statistics and data mm -hmm. analytics, they actually rate offensive lines, which is really cool. And they have a couple of categories I was looking at that were really uh -huh. neat, right? So you got this like yards, running back yards. You've got this power success, right? That kind of takes in like percentage of runs on third or fourth down. They, t they have this category called stuffed, which is like sort of like when the running back gets no yards. Um, and they, they throw all this stuff into, into regression analysis and they, uh -huh. use, and they use statistics. And right now they have the Chiefs kind of an overall, their offensive line is ranked like 26th in, in the NFL um, based on, on their rankings from that perspective. Um, they have a, a power success rating that's right at the league average of about 62%. Um, unfortunately, they've got a stuffed percentage of 19%, which, which puts them at, you know, right in, in towards the lower end of, of the NFL. Uh, but where they do excel is pass protection. Right. You, know, and you and can think, tell that. And you, you can, can really tell, it, tell right? that uh, the pass protection, like you said, those other numbers hopefully can get better. You know, mm -hmm. they've had so many injuries and so much shuffling in there. So I think they can get better. And you mentioned the, the pass protection. That's really the strength of the Chargers. So with Bosa and Ingram, oh. and they did a good. That was one of the better things the Chiefs had going for them on on Monday. They were coming off the edge. It, mm -hmm. it reminded me, you know, when the Chiefs got down a little bit and they knew they needed to pass. Uh, it reminded me, you know, you and I were talking about right. We're, we're going into Raider Week, right, which is always a big thing. And and watching those edge rushers, it, it reminded me of in 1992. It was December of 1992. So we're playing the Raiders, uh -huh. um, you know, away game at their place. Uh, we lost 28 to 6. So we, we were down pretty much most of the game. Dave Craig was a, a like 15-yard drop back quarterback. I mean, he <laughs> used to go back so far back into the pocket. And, and as a tackle, that's like the worst game. I'm not making any excuses. I did have 104 fever. I played the game with 104 fever. Wow. I was not telling the coaches I was sick. You know, my starts were limited with the Chiefs, so I was not giving up a start because I had a fever. Were, so, you, throwing up, were you throwing up during the game? I wasn't, I, I wasn't like, like that kind of sick. I was just like, it was like a virus or something. Mm -hmm. that I just, and I just had this really high fever. Wow. And, and I just, you know, Dave Lutz, who was the right tackle or right guard, I was playing right tackle. He's like, you know, 
and he had that great George accent. He's like, come on, Joey, you just got to do it. You know, you just got to do it. So he, he's talking me through it. And, I'm, and who am I going against? Howie Long. Right. I'm going against Howie Long for the whole game. Like, really? Like, I'm a second year player. You know, Howie was in his last season, which was a Pro Bowl season, his last yeah, year. Yeah, you could have you could have a ninety-eight point six degree temperature. And that's that's, that's I could, challenging. Yeah. I, I, I could have it could have been two of us out there. And <laughs> and so he we were lose we were in pass down situation the entire game because we were we were you know we we were we were not we we're not playing well and we were constantly throwing the ball and and how he was just pinning his ears back and i'm watching joey bosa and i'm watching ingram the way they're rushing passer and it just i had the long you know i was dragging him down i was hanging on his belt loops i mean you, i was doing whatever i could to keep him from hitting dave craig and on one play he got really frustrated and how he never complained he was never the kind of player who would who would whine or complain to officials he goes up to the umpire and he says mr official he said 73 held me on that play and he got away with it and i walked up between howie and the and the referee and i walked up between him and the umpire and i said listen guys with all due respect I'm holding Howie on every play and getting away with it. And Howie kind of laughed and he said, oh man, he said, yeah, you're kind of right. And I said, yeah, I know I'm right. And the referee just looked at us and he's like, all right, let's get back. You know, cause he said, just go back to the huddle. And he just kind of, he knew at that point, like, here's this young guy and here's this old wily vet. Like, let's just let this guy get through this game. You know, he, you know, I'm sick. We're losing 28 to six. But it just, you know, it made me think about the way that Joey Bosa was rushing. And, and I'm telling you, they were pinning their ears back. Patrick Mahomes did a fantastic job of stepping up and avoiding a lot of that, that edge rush. Yeah, and that, that is a great story and also a great point that um, and Mahomes said this after the game. That's why he had so much uh, rushing yardage. They were just oh, yeah. creening off the edge. And so he kind of took what was available, which is mm-hmm. right down the center of the field. Um, his largest rushing output and his lowest passing output, Mahomes, right. for that game. So, yeah. you know, it speaks a lot fact, about the defense and what the defense does. was giving him. And he totally. takes advantage of what the defense gives him. Got to give him totally. credit for that. Yeah. Well, yeah. you mentioned the Raiders. Raiders coming up. Before that, um, we have the, the bye week here for the Chiefs. I was talking to a couple of players and what they did. And most of them were just saying, like Reggie Ragland just flat out said, I'm going to rest. You know, yeah. Um, yeah. What, what do these guys usually would do? What, what did you do during your bye week? Did you get out of town? Did you, uh, what, what, did you just rest up? Like they said, did you travel? What, what was going yeah, on? Yeah, we did. We, well, yeah, you want to rest, right? You want to take care of your body and you don't want to go crazy. You're not going to go skiing. You know, you're not going to go, you know, you're not going to do uh, you know anything over strenuous, but but we did love to go home, and and I think, you know, the football season is a grind, and and I know you know for these players it, it looks like it's very glamorous, and and everybody sees the Sunday games. Um, I, I remember once doing an autograph signing at a, at a Price Chopper supermarket, and <laughs> one of the people asked me, he said, "Do you just fly in for the games? Like, do you live in Philadelphia?" And I'm like, "No, like this is actually a job. Like we." We have long days. I mean, right. you know, during the week is probably yeah. longer than those Sundays. For I, sure. I mean, Wednesdays, Thursday, you know, Wednesdays and Thursdays were 10, 12 hour days. I mean, physical and mental. Right? right. And then, you know, Fridays were usually a little lighter. Saturday was travel. Sunday's the game. Monday's felt like it's a long week and you're, you're going through the season and you're not really seeing your family much, your extended family. Right. I mean, if you're married or kids and you're living in the city, you obviously are spending time with your immediate family. But, you know, I, I sometimes would go, seven, eight weeks without seeing my parents, you know, and, and my brothers. So we, we would, my wife and I would always fly home. Um, mm-hmm. Marty, Marty used to give us a nice chunk of time to go home and I would always come home and we'd have a great, my wife yeah. and I were just talking about that. We had yeah. this great little schedule, like 
on a bye weekend, you know, Friday, my parents would pick us up at the airport and we'd have dinner with them. We'd stay at their house and then we'd go over to my in-laws and we'd have, you know, breakfast with them and then lunch with my brother and then dinner with my grandparents and my wife's grandparents. So like we had this great schedule that we would, we would put together for bye weeks because it was so refreshing to get out of Dodge, right. To get out of town and spend time with people and and get grounded again and kind of forget about football. Joe, did you, now you said you forgot about football. Did you watch any of the football games? Did you bring your playbook and go through stuff or did you totally just kind of shut it down and and recharge? Yeah, it was a shutdown. It was a shutdown. You know, I wasn't going to watch any of the games on Sunday. You know, I was going to, you know, those were busman's holidays, so to speak. And, you know, we just kind of would, you know, we, we watched enough film on the team that we were playing for the next week and Mm -hmm. we had enough time to prepare um, that it was okay for players to get that. That's what the bye week's for. Right. It's like it's like anybody in the world that takes a vacation, right? You you kind of get away from the job a little bit just to just to get recharged because it's going. It's getting thick now. I mean, yeah. this is it, right? This and, is and this is the, this is where it's going to. It's be. getting thick, and for the Chiefs, it really comes at a great time. You know, they had a lot of guys leave the game with in, injuries: Tyreek Hill and his hamstring, uh, Damian Williams and his ribs. Uh, McCoy and a concussion. And so that's really a good timing for them. And, you know, I saw Hill walking around the locker room, no limp. I think he's going to be fine. McCoy, I talked to, he he seemed clear headed for Mm -hmm. what I can diagnose. I didn't see Damian Williams, but so I think a lot of these guys in Mahomes and still with, uh, you know, not that long ago had a knee injury. So I I think it's a really a great time for the chiefs to not only recharge those batteries, like you said, but really get some injured guys back, yeah, especially that big. offensive line we talked about. That's also uh, had a lot of guys shuffling back and forth. With it's big. It's big. And, and, and coach Reed is fantastic after bye weeks. Uh, coach Schottenheimer was fantastic after bye weeks. You know, the coaches who know how to prepare and they know how to take care of their players always do well after bye weeks. And, and I think this is a game that the chiefs, um, you know, are going to be ready for mentally uh, they're going to be ready for the rest of the season physically. And, and that's what you hope for with the bye week, right? You, that's why they put it in. They, they know the powers to be knew that at some point players were going to need a rest um, because it's, it's such a physical game. And they, you know, the players just, you know, that's the, they want their best out there too, right? The NFL wants a product out there that the players can uh, or that the fans can see the best and they don't want the season to drag on where you're having, you know, backups and things. And one of the things, you know, Jeff, that, that is a real struggle, I think, for the NFL is, is, is the way that the teams are structured now with the salary cap. Uh, I think, you know, maybe this is the right time to talk about it. Maybe it's not. But, you know, bye week always brings it up for me because mm-hmm. I think about the injuries and what the level of play looks like um, in the NFL these days when you think about the way that the roster is structured and who the players are. Uh, that are available as backups, right? I mean, you have a limited money amount of money to spend on your team. Anybody who plays fantasy football knows what it, what it takes when you get down to those last draft picks, right? You're just like, <laughs> who am I going to round my roster out with? Well, you know, general manager for an NFL team is not much different. You know, they've only got a limited amount of money to spend on those players. And what's happened in the NFL is 80% of the money goes to about 20% of the players as a general rule, right? Pareto's law, 2080, 80, 20, right? So 20% of the players are making 80% of money. So who are you going to round the roster out with 
when you have when you have all of your starters and all these big time free agents making most of the money, well, you're going to go to the league minimum player, right? You're going to go mm-hmm. to the one, two, three year player. And I think what's happened in the NFL is we've lost a lot of quality depth, right? There's still NFL players, right? There's still there's still players that are are fantastic athletes, but you don't have that six, seven, eight year backup who could, who's going to make a lot of money in this new totally. scheme. All young, a lot of young guys, you know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and it's it can be um, it can be devastating to a team if you have two, three injuries. I mean, look at that. There was one point the Chiefs had no backups in that one game. They had no backups left uh, left to play. So. I don't know what they were going to do. Right. I think he was going to play tackle. I don't know. Totally. I mean, and you're right. And that gets back to that offensive line. Well, why the kind of the numbers weren't so great during uh, the, according to the football outsiders rankings, but that's an area that they finally look healthy. And that's an area that they should be able to improve. Andy Reid is also, you know, he's really, that's what he played. He knows the offensive line. Andy Heck is a pretty good, uh, he's he's a, what a, Fantastic fellow, fellow triplet uh, parent as well. He has triplets. Uh, really? Children, okay. As I do too. Yeah. So we, we have, we always had that in common. So I, when I was, uh, you know, Andy was, was with the bears when I was with the chiefs. Mm-hmm. And, and I remember, uh, you know, hearing the stories that he had had triplets and, and my wife and I had triplets as well. So, uh, but Andy's a great coach. Uh, I think, um, you know, I think this line is going to come together, going to gel. One of the things that, you know, I, I, I hope that, that they do is I, I hope they can settle on, on a consistent running game. You know, yeah. I, I'm not a big, look, I'm a lineman. I, I like knowing where our backs were. I love when we had a consistent Christian Okoye, you know, and Barry Word. You knew where they were going to be. You knew what the running plays were going to look like. Um, you know, and then and then I had you know the great fortune of playing with those guys, and then Marcus Allen, and then you see some of the Chiefs teams that were dominant with the Priest Holmes era and Larry Johnson, and and I think running back by committee can be tough. Um, it can be tough on an offensive line because the, the the variety of plays that you have to have in the playbook to sort of fit the need of those different types of runners. Um, so, you know, I, I, I hope at some point they, they move away from the committee approach and they settle on something. And, and that's um, definitely something to watch, Joe. Uh, I really like what McCoy does as a receiver and just his elusiveness. But, you know, fumbles continue to be an issue with him. Mm-hmm. So that's, you're right, it's going to be, they seem pretty firm on to do a, a, on, a, on a committee. So I don't know if we're going to see one guy emerge, but that's definitely something uh, to watch going forward. And also, which kind of just the health, both Williams and McCoy have been nicked up at various times. Uh, so, yeah, to see. And, and of course, Daryl Williams has uh, been getting some time as well. And even Darwin Thompson, uh, he looks so spectacular during the preseason. So you're right. Going the stra- down the stretch, that's going to be a big factor. And even going back to last year, you know, people forget as great as the Chiefs were last year, as dynamic as that offense was. Uh, Kareem Hunt is a really talented player and they weren't quite the same once mm-hmm. he left. So I think that's, that's a great theme going forward, how that running back by committee, if they stick with that, if they, if they find a guy and both the, the injuries and the fumbles. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It takes time to fill those holes, right? You know, it, ta- it takes time to find your groove when it comes to the running game. I mean, the running game is, it's not as easy as people think, you know, we talked a little bit about it, the timing that the linemen have to have with their double teams 
getting to the next level, getting their hips together, you know, and those zone blocking schemes so that nobody creeps through, you know, take a look at that. I, you know, I, I want the fans to, to, to watch the line, you know, I mean, everybody, all eyes are you, you on the quarterback, right? Everybody sees the ball. They see Patrick, you know, they see the receivers. They see Tariq Hill screaming down the field, right? With his four two eight speed. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that's going on. There's a lot of technique and a lot of technical skills going on in that we called it the closet right you know that seven yard box where players have to work together and and when you you know just I hope fans just take a a, a, a 30,000 foot view of the game you, you, you can start to feel it if you just take your eyes off the quarterback for a little while and watch that picture uh, of that box and watch it move um, both in the run game and the pass game it, it, it gives you just a, such a different feel for the game and, and how a game is going to go uh, and how it's going to transpire through the second quarter, third quarter, and fourth quarter, when you get a feel for how that that sort of ebb and flow of the offensive line and the, and the line of scrimmage goes. So, and we're kind of in the in the fourth quarter of the season, uh, timing way wise. Yeah. And uh, after this bye week, so we're going to have a lot to talk about as we prepare for uh, Raiders week and have some. Uh, oh, I'm sure you're going to share some week. great stories. Oh, Maybe of, of of facing off against Howie Long again. That was a great one. Oh, and yeah, we we'll yeah, we'll definitely tell. There's some great Raider stories. I got some Bill Grigsby stories, Len Dawson stories about the Raiders. Oh yeah, good good times. Well, tune in next week for that. Thanks for listening, and we're available on your favorite directories: iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Stitcher, Luminary, and tune in. You can also find us at Believe.com and at Believe Podcast. Thanks for listening and uh, tune in next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.